ever wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. When you hear about orgasmic births, where do you think they happen? If you've been listening to our podcast, you know that I always say that positive, orgasmic, pleasurable births are possible in any situation, in any setting, when you positively prepare for birth and assemble a birth team that honors and respects you and childbirth as physical, emotional, sacred, sensuous, and facilitates that your voice and choice are always heard and honored. My guest today is going to share her positive midwifery-led hospital birth. Mary Grosser works in media in New York City. She was inspired by her own birth and experience with the doula that I'm so honored. She recently attended a donor birth doula workshop with me, and she's now in the process of becoming donor certified to birth forward the care she received to others. Mary is passionate about the birth space and helping women take back their power in birth. She lives in Connecticut with her husband, Andrew, and their beautiful 14-month-old son, Jackson. And welcome, Mary. I am beyond honored that you're joining us today. And I can't wait to hear all the details of your birth and how you prepared. Thank you for having me. I feel equally as honored just to have taken your doula course and then now get to have this sort of one-on-one conversation with you. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's really special. So I know that whenever you're planning a birth, you have to take some time and say where and with who and how. Where did that begin for you? And how did those decisions come together for you? Yeah, so I had recurrent miscarriages. And the first time I got pregnant, I I knew about miscarriages, but honestly thought it was like so rare, not something I really had to think about. And we were living in Chicago at the time. I was seeing an OB that was recommended by friends at Northwestern and had never even really heard the words midwifery or doula at this point in my sort of knowledge. So I went to this OB, unfortunately miscarried really early. And the OB was super nice and said, this happens, just try again. So we did that and we were lucky we got pregnant pretty fast. I ended up being pregnant four times in a year. So in that regard, we were grateful. But second pregnancy miscarried and again, calling the OB office and just you're just like rattled with nerves. You're upset. It's emotional. It was and I just felt like I was being turned through this system. Like nobody got how like distraught I was. I just wanted to scream on the phone and be like, my situation is different from somebody else who's just having a normal pregnancy and and not to put any blame on them. Everybody was as nice as they could be in the situations that they're in. So after that, um, the OB said, try again. Two was also common. So I said, okay. <laughs> and then we tried again. Third time, we were traveling. This one, I made it a little bit further along. And when I messaged through the app, I never even got a response back from the OB. 
so that we decided to then do some genetic testing and we were considering IVF. But when I got pregnant for the fourth time with my healthy pregnancy, I just knew that I needed different care. And we had moved down to Chicago at that time. We were in New York, back in New York. So I just started Googling most gentle hand-holding OBs. Again, I didn't even know the word midwife. I was just looking for somebody who was going to really hold my hand through this. And Central Park Midwifery popped up. Again, I've never heard this word. I didn't even know what that meant, midwifery. But I went on their page. I could clearly see, okay, they deliver babies. So that's what I need. And the testimonials were just something so different than what I had seen. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to call and get some information. The midwife I spoke with, that first call, spent 40... I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. That's fine. And please take your time. I want to say, first of all, I am so sorry for your losses. And to honor that, our culture doesn't always really offer the support, the care, the long-term care, and the honoring of what that means. I really want to hold that space for you to honor those losses and then to find such a different model of people that care that take time. So when you're ready. Thank you. And I'm also with 13 weeks pregnant, so probably uh, you know, double emotional. But yeah, I was just, she spent 45 minutes on the phone with me. And I still remember because she said, we'll care for you. She explained the prenatal care and she said, and we'll be there two hours after you give birth just to make sure like you're supported. And I remember thinking at that time, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point. I was so lost at that point in my pregnancy, but I just remember hoping, I hope I get to that point where I have this person here two hours after my birth. So anyways, long story short, that 45 minute fall was just like life changing. And I felt, wow, I have somebody who understands like what I'm going to go through and, um, I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and meet with them. And they were just amazing. I'd said, because this was now a year and I had four pregnancies. And I said, I don't want to do any more blend work. I've now done three pregnancy panels plus an entire IVF panel. I've been tested for STDs four times in the last year. I, I don't want to keep doing this. And she was like, let's not do it. She's let's wait. She's there's no need for us to do any of this. It's most of it's just required when you get into the hospital. So she's like, when you feel like you can take a breath, then we'll do your blood work. And I was like, really? And that was the first time I was like, oh, I have choices here. I don't have to just follow the, the rules and this is how we do it. So this is how we're always going to do it. So that was my first experience. And from that point forward, everything was just night and day. And it was amazing care that I received. So that's how that is how I came to my care team, midwifery. And then through them, they highly recommend working with a doula strongly encouraged that I didn't know what a doula was. So I looked into that. And once I realized and did a little research, I was like, wait a minute, why doesn't everyone have a doula? Why don't I know anybody who's had a doula? How come this is the first time I'm hearing of this? And they helped me find a doula. And I found an amazing woman, Sarah, who also did your doula training. She was so incredible. So that, to answer your question, that is how I came to midwifery and even having a doula. It's a long journey. 
a long journey and an incredible journey and really transformational. I can hear that in the different models of care really were so different in supporting you. And once you had that team together, were there other things you did to prepare kind of for birth? Oh, yes. I think once the door was opened for me about midwifery model of care and understanding that you have choices or so many different paths that you can take in preparing for birth and then also laboring and giving birth. I didn't know that. I just assumed you go to the hospital, you get an epidural, you have the baby. So I started doing a lot of research and through my research, through talking with my doula, through talking with my midwives, I really wanted to attempt an unmedicated birth. I just thought, I don't know what this is going to be like. I hear that it's hard, but why not just try? Why go in with the mindset of, I can't do this already? I did a lot of preparation. I did hypnobirthing. And I think the affirmations with hypnobirthing are what helped a lot, even just not even during labor, I didn't end up using it, but just keeping your that positive headspace. And I remember saying one, like, however my birth unfolds, like I will be okay with or something. And I was saying that every single day. And I think that really prepared me for the fact that like it, it might not go the way that it planned and that that's okay. And so there is something to like repeating those affirmations all the time. I did a lot of physical preparation too. I followed something called the body ready method. I'm sure you're familiar. So she's an exercise physiologist and also a doula. So she understands really the body and also birth. I think that helped tremendously with getting my body prepared, getting the baby in a good position. I sat on my exercise ball for months before my due date months. I was never not on this ball. I really tried to sit backwards in chairs, not lounge on the couch, like all of the things that you read about, I really put into practice and months before labor. Wow, fantastic. And I have to say, I agree with you. I think all those positive mindsets, right? Going in more with I can rather than I can't, right? Or I'm so afraid of it. So how beautiful and the body readiness just incredible. That preparation for kind of, you did body mind, right? Like really yeah. putting everything in line. Another thing I'll say real quick about the mind is obviously I know through my research and I know now how important the role of oxytocin is in birth outcomes and how comfortable you are in birth. So I made a choice not to watch any sort of intense TV or movies or read like thriller books. I think I reel it for months before I stopped watching the news. Like I really just tried to consume happy things that made me feel good. Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful tip, Mary, because I had shared with you, I've worked around the world with different people and there are cultures that have traditions that pregnant women should not be around anything negative. Like it's a cultural belief to protect them with only good things. And like you instituted that in a beautiful way. So now take us forward. You're really prepared. You're getting ready for labor. What were those kind of last days of waiting? And then how did labor begin? And how did it go? Sure. So one of the exercises that I think was so helpful that my doula did with me 
Sarah, is that she did this exercise where you lay out all these index cards and it's all the choices that you might have to make during birth. And she basically said, pick your perfect birth. And I did that and I'm looking at it like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then she was like, okay, now I'm going to take away some of these because there are things that are just going to happen that are out of your control. And for every, there was like essentially like a good side of the card and a bad side of a card. And so she would flip over and she said, if I flip over three, then you have to flip over three. And it it really put into perspective, like, okay, there are things that are going to be out of my control and I'm going to have to deal with it. So that exercise really helps me mentally prepare for it doesn't matter how much work I put in to have the birth that I want. Like it's, there's so much sort of luck involved. As my midwife said, she's, it's a lot of preparation and a little bit of luck. And I truly feel that way. So I had a great pregnancy. I was working out. I felt so good all the way. I never got to the point of get this baby out of me. I felt so, so good all the way up to the end. And I was always concerned about my amniotic fluid being low because I wanted to avoid induction more than anything else. And so every appointment I would be like, what's my amniotic fluid counts? What's my am-? And I knew it by heart. So at 38 weeks, it was 13. I'm like, great, it's still high. I just don't want it less than five. 39 week appointment, I go in and I'm like, what's my amniotic fluid? And they're like, 28. And I'm like, great. And then my midwife calls me and she's, I have bad news. You have polyhydramnios and we have to induce you between 39 and 40 weeks. And I'm 39 weeks. So I was like heartbroken and I'm just like, okay, can we schedule the induction for 39 and six days? And she was like, yes, we can do that. And she's let's try to get you into labor before then. So this is a Thursday. The next day I go into her office. She checks my cervix with, of course, like my consent. And she explained everything first. Here are kind of options to try to put you in labor. So she's let's see if you're even dilated. And I was already like one and a half or two centimeters dilated. So she's, if you want to do a membrane sweep, we can. I was like, do it. And to be honest, maybe because I was so dilated, like it was not, it was uncomfortable is the most I will say. It was not painful. Uh, I was really nervous, but I practiced like my breathing and letting go because I was like, this is good preparation for labor. Just this three minutes. So then I went to acupuncture every single day and acupressure that weekend. I walked eight miles a day. The insurance was saying, you need to climb downstairs. The baby's not low enough. So we climbed. We were staying in an Airbnb right around the hospital and it was a high rise. So I would walk down 44 flights of stairs. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm going to get this baby (laughs) low enough. So then on Monday... My, I went back to my midwives, and this is how amazing they are too. They rearranged their schedule on Monday to make sure I could get the first appointment in to see them to give us enough time to make decisions that day based on what was going on with my body. So they did another membrane sweep. They said I was about three and a half, four centimeters dilated. There's three midwives in the practice. And the one I saw that morning, she said, I think your body's ready, but I know how much you want to avoid an induction if you want to try castor oil that would be the next step. And I was like, let's do it. Let's try it. So they said, do it before one o'clock because you'll get an upset stomach. It gives you time and took the shot of castor oil. Also, it was terrible, but it's terrible for two seconds. And essentially castor oil upsets your stomach so that your lower intestines upset your, start moving your uterus and aggravating to get things moving. And honestly, the results of the castor oil was not 
and took the castor oil about four hours later, checking in with my midwife and she's okay. I want you guys to just lay down, put a funny movie on, cuddle on the couch, just start relaxed, start getting into the headspace because labor is in, imminent at this point. You're so far dilated, it's coming. So we do that. We put a movie on, we lay on the couch. Literally, my husband's like laying behind me. He, as soon as he gets behind me, he puts his hand on my stomach and we hear an audible pop and water and my water broke. And he goes, what was that? I was like, that was my water breaking. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So the oxytocin must have been really hot there. So then we call my doula, who I had been in, in contact with all day. She was very aware of what was going on. She, I think, arrived 30 minutes later. And my contractions were very fast and furious at, as soon as my water broke. I had, I'm so mad because like I didn't do like my hair or makeup because Everything I had seen in movies and not movies, like YouTube videos, listening to other birth podcasts is that you have contractions and you have all this time in the world. So you like cook and people do their hair and they're just for distractions. Not the case for me. My contractions were like a minute and a half apart, but like we were tracking it with a nap and it just kept saying, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. So my doula came over and I, I, I needed her pretty quickly after my water broke and we had TENS machine on. She was doing counter pressure and she was doing acupressure and I labored at home for about four hours. Now we were, like I said, at an Airbnb and we're on the 44th floor. We're at the very back of this really long hallway. And then it's like a giant marble lobby. So all I kept thinking in my head as the contractions are getting more and more intense how am I going to make this transition to the hospital? I'm so nervous. These contractions are really intense. I couldn't get it out of my head. So I finally said, I think I want to go to the hospital. I need to get this fear off my plate of this transition to the hospital. We're three minutes from the hospital. And I'm, was, I'm worried about the Uber driver and getting his car messy, like all of these things. My midwife called to hear my contraction. And she's, You're, you have plenty of time still if you want to stay there you're not ready. And I said, I think I want to go. I, I just need to get this part over with so I can get back in that like focused space. So we get all of our gear together. We go, we do the long walk down the hallway, the 44 the elevator down 44 flights, and then across the marble lobby with lots of people buzzing around, get in the Uber, get to the hospital. I was also worried because I had been in triage the week or two weeks before because I had some bleeding. So we got to experience going into the hospital and they like check your temperature. They give you a piece of paper. You go in like that was also on my mind is I still have to do all those steps when I get to the hospital. And right. when we got to the hospital, they were like, come right in. Like they didn't even stop us and check IDs. They were just like beats and then go right up to the 12th floor because they could tell I was an active labor. So when we got there, they only had one room or they didn't have any rooms. So they put me in triage, but I could only have one person with me. So, of course, I picked my doula. I was like, sorry, Andrew. Like, I need her right now. Because I was six and a half centimeters dilated. Wow. I only knew this after the fact. I told my midwife before going to labor, I said, I don't care if you want to do cervical checks at any point. Like, I trust you that you're going to do them when you feel like it's necessary. Just don't tell me where I'm at. I don't need to know that information. And I don't want to feel discouraged or excited that things are moving along. I just don't tell me. So I had no idea. 
But she said, like, when I got to the hospital and she checked me, I was six and a half centimeters. That hour in triage alone with my doula was one of the hardest parts of labor. I barely remember because it was really, like, fast and furious, it felt like. She was phenomenal. And then they got us into their room. And I had a little bit of, I think, calmness, not for very long. But, like, I do remember us getting a little bit settled. And then... I remember being in the bathroom because I was sitting backwards on the toilet with my head uh, down. I ended up having a bruise on my nose from like my head being down so much. And I remember my voice getting really shaky. I wanted to start crying. And I remember feeling, I don't know if I can do this. And I, I think I said that out loud and my voice was really shaky. And I don't remember if it was my midwife or my doula, but they said, Mary, you're in transition. And in my mind, because I knew that was the hardest part, I was like, okay, my feelings match the moment. Like I'm supposed to feel this way. Whereas if I wasn't in transition, I was feeling that way, I would probably get nervous. Can I really do this? And so I immediately just felt, okay, I can do this. So a part of my birth plan was I wanted to avoid the epidural, but if I was suffering at any point, I wanted to first try uh, nitrous oxide. So I said, I needed a break at that. I needed something to take the edge off. So I said, can I try nitrous oxide? And they said, yes. And up until that point, I was using, I said for my doula, I was using, I had the tens machine on my back and I was squeezing a comb. And that was like my main source of, of pain relief, gate theory. And they got me the nitrous and that was like the that is exactly what I needed. It was like having a glass of wine at the end of the day. It really, it does, didn't really take any pain away, but you disassociate from it a little bit and you have a chance to catch your breath and be like, oh, okay. And then I was, I remember my midwife saying, you're, you're progressing. Like this is a second time labor. Like we're going to have this baby in no time. We're all excited. Then once I'm fully dilated, my my midwife said, okay, I need you to stop using the nitrous because I need you to be like really present. And I think I'm starting to get a little like loopy and tired. It's, we got to the hospital at 8.30 p.m. So it's now like sometime in the like middle of the night or in the morning. So I take the nitrous and I remember feeling, no, it was almost like a little kid in their like teddy bear or something. Like it wasn't doing a whole lot, but it was like, I felt like some form of comfort from it. I was just like, Mary, you can't get upset right now. Just move on. So I just handed it and I was like, back, I kind of focused again. And then it was time to push. And that went for three and a half hours, which none of us. Wow. Yeah, my contractions just stalled. They were 10 to 14 minutes apart. And you have had a child, you need a contraction to push that baby out of your body. And we were trying all kinds of positions. And now retrospectively, and this is something I want to talk to my midwife about with preparing for number two, is there were definitely positions where I felt well right. And now I'm wondering if there was just a lot of pressure that I wasn't, I didn't know that's what I needed to feel. And maybe if I had embraced that, the BB would have come out faster. I don't know. So I 
pushed for three and a half hours. At three hours, my midwife said, Mary, you're doing fine. And the baby's heart rate is solid. She's, but if you want to speed this up, we can give you Pitocin. And I was like, hell no. I mean, this far. And I really wanted to avoid Pitocin. I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. Because at this point, the baby is crowning. And I have no wow. patient. Oh, yeah. You could, that, could head for an hour, like the top of the head. That's a long time. Yeah. I was like, no, we like at this point, everything. I don't even remember feeling any pain whatsoever. It's all just like my body's so neutral at this point. So we I also think like I didn't really know how hard you have to push sometimes, at least maybe in the position I was in. Once I got the hang of that, then I started to make a lot more progress. Um, and the baby came out maybe 15 minutes later, 30 minutes later. Um, and I had minor tears, like a laceration, but I never even felt those. So that was surprising too. That was like one of my biggest fears. So I was like, did I tear? And she was like, no, she's like barely. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because once you like push a baby out, you're like, how did, like, how is everything still attached down there? Yeah. And then they put him on me. And then at that point, the other thing I'll say is wonderful thing about Mount Sinai West, where I gave birth, they really respect the midwifery groups that they work with and they have full autonomy at that hospital. So I never saw another doctor, another OB the entire time I was in our room. I, if a nurse came in, they never said anything to me. I don't recall any nurses coming in until the very end when I was pushing. And those nurses that came in were awesome. And they were like the cheerleading squad. And like they were like one of the nurses came in afterwards and she was like, thank you so much for letting me be a part of that. That was amazing. So it, I had such a great team there. And yeah, that was it. And oh, but we didn't know the gender either. It's proof that you really don't care is because I have it on video and I counted the time from the time they put him on my chest. It was 30 seconds later until we were like, wait, what did we have? And my husband looks and he's like, it's a boy. Aw. And having seen your birth video, and I know we'll be sharing some of it along with the podcast, it's so beautiful to see your strength and power. And as you're really telling the story, my mind's going to the visuals, but you were amazing. And it sounds like your doula, your midwife, your husband, right? That team that could surround you and support you in your choices and reassure you made such a difference too. But thank you. As I'm listening now, I'm thinking if you had to pick, and I know it's really hard because you've already shared a lot of words, but if you had to say what three words, what three feelings stand out from your birth, what would be the three words you would choose? Uh, I think exciting, for sure. Intense. I was surprised at how intense it was. You can't prepare for that level of intensity. And gosh, I like faith. I felt very safe and supported the entire time. There was not a worry on my mind ever about like me feeling safe, the baby feeling safe. I really felt like I was in the best care possible. So beautiful. And I know now you're preparing for another birth. 
And yeah. there are many people listening that are preparing. So this can be personal or general, but is there one thing that stands out for you in preparing for birth either this time or for those that are listening that's really important for you? Yeah, I think two things really stand out, one body and one mind, like really preparing early on with the body, because especially now going through doula training, you know how important baby positioning is and how much that can affect your labor. So really not taking that lightly. And I think a lot of people wait until the week they're due to start doing those things and putting the time in months before, especially paying attention to those things that you're doing every day. If you sit on a chair, the way that you lay in bed, just making sure that you're always trying to optimize those positions. And then for the mind, I tried to almost like fool myself when anybody would ask me about, oh, were you nervous for labor? I'd be like, no, I'm so excited. And it's fake it till you make it. And so I genuinely went into labor like, I am so excited to see what this experience is going to like. Oh, beautiful. And I have to say that I'm going to be thinking about you so much. I know our doula circle certainly will be surrounding you in our hearts and minds when you're in labor. And I hope that you'll come back and share that story in the future. But I know that you're also working on doula certification and doing so much more in the birth space as well. So for people that are listening, how can they follow you or where can they reach out to you? Sure. Instagram's probably the easiest. My Instagram handle is Mary, not Mary. So I spell my name M-E-R-I, not M-A-R-Y. So that's why it's Mary, not Mary. So it's pretty easy to find me because there isn't another handle like that. Yeah. In terms of my doula goals, I, I went into that training just wanting to spread the word to all of the moms that I know and come across with of there's there are op, you have options there's information that can help you and just do yourself a favor and learn a little bit more don't go into it so blindly yeah great advice thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey you've really what i often say transformed that pain to power and purpose and really prepared and had such an incredible birth and i Love those words of intense, but safe and excited. So wishing you another beautiful journey, whatever birth asks of us, right? Each labor right. is unique. Each birth is unique. Each child is unique. But thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. We always love it to hear from you. So please share your comments, your feedback. It means a lot to us, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Mm -hmm.